Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. It's Wednesday, right in the middle of the week. It is Wednesday, May 11, the year of our Lord, 2022. Yes, that is what I have on the equipment. We are rocking and rolling right along. Looking at Hebrews chapter 2 together. You got to remember to ask me that stuff before we get started, because otherwise we end up having to do it over. No, well, I just want to make sure we that we have the right date. Yeah, we got it. We're good. It's very important. Good. That, that'll that help everyone when they write checks today. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. No one writes checks. <laughs> <laughs> but if you do, but if you E-D-W-I-N-C-R-O-Z-I-E-R, we, we are happy to receive them. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess all these Hebrews jokes have gotten us a little giddy. Yeah, we're just so punchy we should, now. We, we should we should stop. Who knew how many jokes there were? Thank you, Internet. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, beginning at verse 5. I'm going to read to verse 9, English Standard Version. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him... For a little while, lower than the angels, you have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone." How do we see Jesus? How do we think of Jesus? The Hebrew writer tells us that he is in the place of glory now, Mm -hmm. and that because he tasted death for everyone. He is crowned with glory and honor because he subjected himself to death Mm -hmm. and yet then conquered death. Mm -hmm. And so now death is placed under his footstool because of that. And crowned with glory and honor, exalted above all things, given the name that is above every name, as Paul recorded in Philippians for us. I, I just uh, the uh, the uh, uh, the brevity of words here to communicate the gospel. Hmm. This amazing plan that God has accomplished. I mean, from you know the beginning of time till now, and that the angels had hands in it. Uh, but here he was a little lower than the angels, and now magnified above them. Uh, it's it's just amazing to me. I'm I'm really moved by it. The the brevity of words with which our own brethren wish we could proclaim the gospel. <laughs> well, this is inspired, and that's one of the reasons <laughs> I guess you can tell the difference. Uh, the economy of words. Well, yeah. here we've got this quote from Psalm eight. Mm-hmm. That's that's where the Hebrew writer is coming from, as we were told in Psalm eight that the Lord is above the heavens. What what was it that you said in verse six? I know you and I read from a little different translation. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? At the beginning, though, does it say, "But one testified in a certain place"? Oh, it has been testified somewhere. Somewhere, right? Yeah, but you tracked it down. Right. Psalm 8. Psalm 8. It is, it is from <laughs> it Psalm, is Psalm 8. 8. Well, you know, there's something interesting there to be said yeah. just about this reference to the Scripture that it's, you know, I don't necessarily have to remember reference, but I do have to remember the Word. Yeah. And yeah. For, for these ancients, their Scriptures were not 
classified with chapters and yeah. verses. In fact, with the Psalms themselves, I don't I don't know that they numbered them. I think they normally titled them based on whatever the first line was. Yeah. Anyway, so here I'm, this Hebrew author is able to say, look, it says it. It's in there. You know it's there. Here's what it says. I was watching a video the other day talking about the ancient manuscripts and talking about the books, and they were talking about the fact that until the Codex came along, okay, and which is what we think of as a book with one end being stitched and the leaves being stitched together, you had these scrolls, but to keep a scroll manageable, you never really had more than 28 feet of a parchment rolled up on a scroll. Wow. And I was like, that keeps it manageable. No kidding. And so, you know, they'd have these different pot. Now, they obviously, they didn't all have 28 feet, but apparently they determined you're, you're never going to find it bigger than that. They just become, you know, unwieldy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, think about scrolls that size yeah. and trying to roll to the place that you're wanting to find to quote something. Um, and, and you're going to have multiple books and multiple writings all in one giant scroll. Which is, you know, I, I have to bear that in mind that even at the time that New Testament documents are being written, that's still a little before codexes. Yeah. And so these guys were working with scrolls. Yes. Yeah. Going back to our season on the Psalms, remember we learned and recognized that there are actually five books of Psalms. That's right. Which, that's right. again, we say books, but that would mean scrolls. Yeah. So even the Psalms, this long, long book, as far as we see it, would have been broken down into five different scrolls. Mm -hmm. And what you've just expressed is part of that. And so you can understand there's five different scrolls, 28 feet or whatever long, and this author is writing and decides not to go find that particular. He's just like, look, we all know it's there. We know it's there. We all know this one really well. Yeah. And remember what it said, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the Mm -hmm. son of man that you care for him? You've made him for a little while lower than the angels. This, in the psalm, it's a reference to the creation of Adam. Mm Mm-hmm. And pointing to what is to come, right. what our Hebrew author does say, is say that, yeah, but there is the ultimate man. There is the one who is greater than the angels, because what he's done is he's spent an entire chapter telling us that he's greater than the angels. Yeah, and someone might say, wait a minute, you said he's greater than the angels, but now you're also going to tell me he's one of us. Yeah. And, and that he died. That he died. Yeah. That, that, You'd say he's greater than the angels, but I know you're telling me the Roman governor killed him. Right. You're te- so how no. can he be greater yeah. than the angels? What, what angel did a man kill? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I know that angels can slaughter thousands and thousands and thousands of men. I know. Yeah. I've read my Old Testament. It yeah. says it. Yeah. It says it. I saw that happen under Hezekiah yeah. when he prayed. Well, you know, if, if, if Jesus is greater than the angels, why doesn't he do this? And so what our Hebrew author does is he, he takes the psalm mm-hmm. and says, look, what we see is this right here, man, the ultimate man, the epitome of man, the, the, the man who is the true image of God. Mm-hmm. And really, let's keep all that together because there at the beginning of Hebrews, it talks about this son being the exact imprint of his nature, yeah. his radiant glory. That is what man was supposed to be when God created Adam. He created Adam in his image. Right. But because of sin coming into the world, his image has been distorted. Now we're going to talk about the man mm-hmm. who actually fulfills that, who mm-hmm. actually fulfills mm-hmm. being the true image of God, and it is the Son, and it is this Jesus. And what the Hebrew writer says is, this really shouldn't surprise us to see him for a little while lower than the angels, because we've got Psalm 8. We've got Psalm 8, but we do see that he's crowned with glory and honor. And let me tell you how 
this son became crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering and death. Yeah. Because he obeyed and went through this death on our behalf, he is now crowned with glory and honor, taking back his rightful place as superior to all. And I appreciate you talking about his death for us or his death on our behalf, um, because that's that's the question, isn't it? Why does Jesus die? Why does he die a criminal's death? I mean, calling back to our study in Galatians, that his death is the curse. Cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. Mm-hmm. Why would he do all that? Um, you know, it, it would point to, you would think the person that gets that kind of treatment is the worst of sinners, has done terrible things, should not be compared to an angel. But he did that for us. By he the did grace that to of purge God. our sins by the grace of God. Interestingly, I, I don't know, I, I just remembered this, this is the first time we see the name of Jesus in Hebrews. That's correct. So it's at this point when he's talking about tasting death for us, mm-hmm. having become one of us a little lower than the angels, taking this place of man, and yet tasting death, and because of that suffering of death, having the glory and honor, seeing that that being crowned with glory and honor, this is when the Hebrew writer says, now let me tell you who I'm talking about as the son. I'm talking about that one that some of you don't want to believe in because he died. Yeah. And I'm telling you, and this is the important point, he tasted death for everyone. Mm-hmm. By the grace of God, what he is doing is he is tasting death, experiencing death. This is this is a figure of speech. It's a uh, a play on words as it's using this idea of tasting death to talk about going through death, experiencing right. death, enduring death. He's saying he tasted death on behalf for everyone. I think about what happened in John chapter 8, verses 51 through 52. In John chapter 8, beginning at verse 51, here's what Jesus says. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. So Jesus has pointed out that those who surrender to him, who keep his word, can we, by the way, just remember that this entire first chapter of Hebrews and now into chapter two has been about the word of the son. Yeah. He's saying, if you keep my word, you won't taste death. Clearly the death there is is more than just physical death because Abraham died, prophets died, you're going to die. We all, we all taste that physical death. He's talking about a deeper, more fundamental, a relational death, a spiritual death, the ultimate death. He's saying, look, Jesus tasted death, so you don't have to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jesus tasted death, so I don't have to. Praise the, God. The question is going to be, will we surrender to his word? Will we submit to this message? Which, again, ties to what Hebrews 2 is saying. If we neglect the message of the Son, we will miss this salvation. Yeah. We need to submit, and then we need to stick with it. There is a call throughout Hebrews for steadfastness. And we might see ourselves in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a persecution. And there's certainly evidence in Hebrews that they were uh, having a time of persecution and could expect more uh, later on. And so, you know, we need to remember Jesus has tasted whatever you're going through and far worse. Uh, He was sinless. He did it for you. But look how it turned out for him. God is faithful to him. The plan is accomplished. He's glorified now. 
God will not forsake you either, right? You, you're going to you're going through the trial now. You're going through the crucible now. But there is glory on the other side. There is a wonderful crown of life and righteousness for those who finish this race. So don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Again, I think these are things we're going to come back to in our reading of Hebrews. But I think we're seeing them right here. Jesus is the example to follow. Mm. Remember at the end of Hebrews chapter 1, we have the psalm that is applied to Jesus about him being the creator and the fact that he laid the foundations of the earth, the heavens are the work of his hands, Uh, you've got they will perish, but you remain, they will all wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up, like a garment they will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. And then to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Now we move into chapter 2, and we're learning about Jesus. We're learning about the certainty of his word. We're learning about the fact that he is the king. We're learning about his message of salvation. We're told if you don't pay attention to it, you remember what I just read Mm -hmm. about the universe being rolled up like a scroll, about judgment, about, about enemies being put at his footstool? Look, if you neglect his word... You're one of those enemies. If you neglect his word, you're going to be a part of that judgment when the, when the, the universe is rolled up like a mm-hmm. scroll. Mm-hmm. You need to be with him. Keep attending to his word. Don't yeah. drift away. Don't drift away. Thank you so much for being with us today for Text Talk. We hope that you've been encouraged in reading the word. Uh, join us back here the same time and place tomorrow. Uh, we'll be going through Hebrews 2 together and hope you'll join us for that conversation. We have a word of prayer. Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you, Father, for the magnificence of your word. Father, it's amazing to look into the scriptures and see how it all fits together so neatly to reveal this message of your love through the Son, through his death and his resurrection, Father, to save us. We pray, Father, that we might keep it in our hearts quite precious, that we would be attuned to it and pay good attention to it, not to be neglectful, not to drift away. When we think about, Father, the majesty of spiritual beings like angels who themselves wanted to look into and try to understand what you were doing to bring about salvation, they were amazed at your great plan as it was brought forth. Father, we pray that it would never lose the wonder for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne. Hey, Andrew. What? What would happen if you punched Moses in the mouth? I have no idea. He bruised. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>